right, all right, all right. Day 384. Welcome back to the Windows and Mirrors podcast. My name is Keith, and this is a podcast where we're trying to show you that the Bible is more like a window than it is a mirror. We come to it to see through it and to see God, not to it to primarily look at it and see ourselves. All right, so Psalm 71. Psalm 71, uh, we're moving right along here in the Psalms, and we have this um, interesting Psalm that is both uh, a psalm of lament, right? But it's also a psalm of confidence, right? So remember, the psalms are broken up into these categories, um, but they all don't fit neatly into one category, right? And they show the mixed emotions and mixed disposition of God's people throughout time. And for the sake of um, just concision, I think three themes pop out for me in this Psalm number one, the psalmist is going to ask that the Lord would not abandon him, right? The Lord, yeah, Lord, don't abandon me, right? That's essentially what he's going to say. And then two, the psalmist is going to say, God, I trust in your righteousness regardless, (laughs) right? And then three, you are my hope and my praise. So those three things are going to pop out all throughout the psalm. And the first one, you know, the psalmist asking the Lord to not abandon him. You see this right in verse one, right? He uses this language and contextually speaking, he is saying, don't abandon me now. Why? Because I've been with you for a while, right? I've been rocking with you all these years. So he's going to contrast these ideas of youth and old age, right? So he's going to say in verse six, I've leaned on you from birth, You took me from my mother's womb, right? Verse nine, don't discard me in my old age. As my strength fails, do not abandon me, right? So this word he's going to use for abandon is a very important word in the Bible. And it is a, it's a covenantal term, right? It is azav is, is the Hebrew word. And it usually comes in context, ironically, listen, in the Old Testament to speak of the way Israel has broken or abandoned their covenant with God. <laughs> so in other words, the fear that David has here is a, is a fear that God himself would break his covenant commitment, this oath-bound promise and agreement that the Lord has made to his people. David is saying, don't break that, right? And interestingly enough, this same word comes in uh, like Genesis in Genesis 2, where, where God says um, a man will leave or abandon his father and mother and cling or hold fast to Debak, stick to his wife. It's that same idea, that idea of breaking covenant. And so what David is saying, though, he's essentially saying, God, for you to leave me would be akin to a spouse being faithful. And after years of a spouse being faithful, for whatever reason, right? After investment and in the love that was given, one of them leaves, right? Think about how hurtful and painful that would be. And I know the analogy will break down on so many levels, but what he is saying is, I don't want to be abandoned like that because I've been with you, right? And ironically, um, in this situation, the abandonment will be seen in the enemies trampling upon the psalmist. And so what he's saying is like, be my salvation, be my refuge, be my rock, be my fortress. But number two, he goes on to say like, because I'm in this old age, guess what I'm going to do? I'm going to trust in your righteousness, right? 
And the basis that he even pleads and asks God for his fidelity and protection is because of God's righteousness. So in verse two, he's going to say in your justice or in your righteousness, rescue and deliver me. Listen closely to me and save me. Verse 15, my mouth will tell about your righteousness, right? And your salvation all day long, though I cannot sum them up. Verse 19, your righteousness reaches the heights. God, you who have done great things, God, who is like you, the righteousness that the psalmist is going to speak of here is the act of God putting things in right order that aren't currently in right order, right? And even more fundamentally, this righteousness and justice is not something that God does only or even primarily, I would say. It is more fundamentally who God is. God's righteousness that the psalmist is going to plead and ask for him to show up as God's righteousness is a part of who he is. It is etched into the unchanging, eternal, inexhaustible character of God. And because this is the case, it is a firm foundation for trust, reliance, and dependence. So I want you to remember today, as you're thinking about this psalm, you can appeal to the justice of God because one, it's not just a piece or a part of who he is. And it is not just something that he's that he does. We think of justice as a verb primarily. But what he's saying is, no, 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 God, you are just, right? And that, <laughs> and that is a reason for me to appeal to you for help. Based on who he is, though, God acts, right? To our benefit if we are his and to our detriment if we are not. Finally, the third thing, he says, yo, don't abandon me. I've been rocking with you for a minute. Don't let me go right? I'm going to trust in your righteousness regardless. And then in the third thing he's going to say is, you know, um, you are my hope and my praise, right? And so essentially the life experiences of the psalmist, you know, help him remember that the Lord is his hope and his praise. So remember the context of old age and maturity, right? This context, um, is this extended time of walking with the Lord and this extended time of walking with the Lord has taught him how to hope in God. And if man, if you've been around someone who has walked with the Lord for a long time or you are someone who has walked with the Lord for years or decades, you've learned right how to hope in God or you see that that person has learned how to hope in God, but also how to praise God, right? And this is not something that is natural to us, right? But something that has to be um, cultivated within us. And sometimes it is only cultivated by hardship, by years of going the righteous way, even though the winds of life is going in the other direction. Only moment after moment of the Lord showing up in your life, do you learn how to hope and praise him. And so look what David says. He says, my adversaries, may my adversaries be disgraced, right? And destroyed. May those who intend to harm me be covered with disgrace and humiliation. Verse 14. But I, <laughs> but I will hope continually and will praise you more and more. And when he speaks of praise, he speaks of it in such a way that is public and associated with proclamation, right? It is the proclamation of God's wondrous works the the exaltation of God and like I said earlier like if you've been around anybody who's walked with the Lord for some time like they and they've learned how to hope and praise God 
they're going to tell you about it, <laughs> right? They're going to let it be known, right? And they lift him up. And the function here of the psalm is that very thing. Look what he says in verse 18. Even while I am old and gray, hear this, God, do not abandon me. So all the things going to come to come to a head right here. While I proclaim your power to another generation, your strength to all who are to come. Listen, to pass the faith, the covenant on to the next generation in Israel primarily was a primary role of the leaders and heads of the families, right? They were to pass the covenant God had established with his people down from generation to generation to, de- to generation. And the psalmist is going to tie all three themes that we spoke about right earlier to this end goal, right? And one of the things we talk a ton about today is leaving a legacy, right? We use that language, passing down wealth, generational wealth, leaving an inheritance, right? Leaving stuff behind for our kids. And that is all fine and good and dope and helpful and something worth aspiring towards. But the most important thing, listen, the most important thing we can leave for those behind us is the truth and assurance that there is a God who will never leave us behind right? That's what we need to be primarily and ultimately focused on leaving and giving to the next generation. Listen, our praise is not just for us. It is should get, it should give way to the next generation, those that come after us, right? So that our God can be their God and our people can become his people. Listen, the word I was talking about abandoned earlier in this text, when when David says, God, don't abandon me, that very word is the same word the Lord uses when he says, I'll never leave or I'll never abandon you or forsake you. God is bound by his own word and his own promise to not do the very thing that we fear he would. May we trust in his word today. Father, we pray that um we would hold on and cling to uh your very promises and word to us that we will be concerned with passing on this faith to the next generation by our praise and proclamation of your wondrous works that the psalmist says we can't even sum up we love you lord and we thank you listen in christ's name we pray